Welcome to Fast Asleep, listeners. Whether you're here to embark on a beautiful night's sleep or just to listen to an exceptional story, it's very nice to have you with us. We are all set for the conclusion to Daphne du Maurier's tale, which was published way back in 1951. It was so anticipated that the film rights had already been fought over for months long before publication. Um, Daryl Zanuck and David Oselznik, two real heavy hitters in the film industry at the time, battled over it. Um, Zanuck won. He made a movie starring Richard Burton and Olivia de Havilland. The most recent film adaptation of this story was made in 2017. It lives forever, doesn't it? It starred Rachel Weisz in the title role. Here we go. Let us finally find out how this story ends. Tuck in and enjoy. My Cousin Rachel. The new year began, and my birthday on 1st April was three months away. Oh, how I wanted to have control of my own money. I was tired of Nick Kendall being my guardian. However, I could spend money on the house. I decided to make it beautiful for Rachel. There were many repairs to be done. From January, I had nearly 20 men working for me. The bills for the work were sent to my godfather. Rachel and I had many plans for the gardens, too. Yeah, work had started on a sunken water garden. We had found the design for the water garden in one of Rachel's books. Because there were so many workmen in the house, we could not have visitors. My cousin Rachel and I stayed quietly at home, and I was very happy. I loved to watch Rachel move about the house. I loved to hear her voice. When her hands touched me, my heart beat faster. The first days of spring came, and the sun shone, and then something happened, which took all my happiness away again. I had kept one of Ambrose's old coats to wear myself. One day, I was walking in the woods. I felt something in a pocket. It was another letter from Ambrose. Well, I was pleased that I was alone. I walked on until I reached the highest place on the estate. Ambrose had always loved to sit there. I sat down and held the letter in my hands. I did not want to open it. I was afraid that Ambrose had written something bad about Rachel. We were so happy together. I wanted to forget the past, but at last I opened the letter. It had been written three months before his death, but he had never posted it. My cousin Rachel 
Ambrose wrote, had been expecting a child, but it had died. And the doctors told her that she could never have another child. At first, Rachel was quiet and unhappy, and then she began to spend money carelessly. Ambrose even suspected that Reynaldi was in love with her. For these reasons, Ambrose had not signed his new will, in which, well, he left everything to Rachel. Ambrose also wrote about his terrible headaches. He told me about the fever, which at first made him violent, and then it made him very weak. Ambrose was very unhappy, and he had written, You are the only person who can help me, Philip. Are Rachel and Rinaldi trying to poison me for my money? I must know. I hid the terrible letter under a large stone and walked slowly back to the house. I could not forget Ambrose's words, but I decided that Rachel must never know about the letter. In three weeks' time, the estate and all the money would be mine. But this was not right. Ambrose had made a new will, but he had not signed it because of his illness. His money belonged to Rachel. She must have it. That night, I asked Rachel about Ambrose's will. She showed me a copy of it, which I read carefully. Everything had been left to Rachel. Then, if she had died without children, everything was to be mine. Why did Ambrose not sign this will? I asked. Tell me, Rachel. I don't know, she answered quietly. Perhaps when he knew we could not have children, his feelings changed. Perhaps it was only a mistake. But when the headaches started, Ambrose suspected me of terrible things. Oh, I, I can't speak about that time, please. Leave me alone, Philip. I, I can't answer any more questions. Well, I have reasons for my questions, I said. You will understand in three weeks' time. By the following morning, I had made up my mind. I rode into the town and, with the help of a lawyer, wrote out a document. In three weeks' time, all my property would be given to Mrs. Rachel Ashley. The jewels would belong to her, too. But she would not be able to sell the house or the land. Now, I have one question, the lawyer said. Mrs. Ashley is quite a young woman. What will happen to the property if, well, if she marries again? Marries? I thought for a moment. The house and the estate must always belong to the Ashleys. Well, if she marries, I said, or if she dies, the property becomes mine again. That must be made clear. I told the lawyer that the document must be kept secret. 
He promised to send me a copy on the last day of March. I felt very happy as I rode home. My dear Rachel would never leave me now. We would live in perfect happiness forever. When I reached the house, I heard voices in the library. The door opened and Rachel came out laughing happily. Come and see my visitor, Philip, she cried. He has come a long way to see us both. The man stood up and held out his hand. It was Rinaldi. We stood there looking at each other. Then Rinaldi began talking about his journey and Rachel suggested that she should that he should stay in the house for a few days. I I could say nothing. During dinner, Rachel and Rinaldi talked about people and places I knew nothing about. Often they spoke in Italian and I could not understand a word. At last Rachel stood up and said, You must excuse us, Philip. Rinaldi and I have some business to discuss. He has brought papers I must sign. They went upstairs, and I walked alone in the gardens. I felt cold and unhappy. I stayed outside until the light went out in Rinaldi's room. I had just reached my own room when there was a quiet knock on my door. I came to wish you good night, my cousin Rachel said. Why didn't you come and drink Tisana with us, Philip? You must make Rinaldi welcome. He is a very old friend of mine. Rinaldi stayed with us for seven days. As he laughed and talked with Rachel, I began to hate him. When it was time for Rinaldi to leave, he took my cousin Rachel's hand and kissed it. Write me and tell me your plans, he said. I shall be in London for some time. Oh, I'm making no plans until after the 1st of April, Rachel replied with a laugh. Rinaldi smiled. I hope Philip enjoys his birthday, he said. 1st April is All Fool's Day, isn't it? But perhaps Philip doesn't want to remember that. When Rinaldi had gone, Rachel smiled at me. You have been very good, Philip, she said. Are you glad we are all alone again? As my birthday came nearer, I became more and more excited. Rachel laughed at me. You are like a child, she said. What plans are you making for the day? But I had made no plans. All I wanted was that Rachel should know about the document. And one more thing, Rachel should have all the family jewels. I went to the bank myself. I brought them back to the house and hid them in my room. On the last day of March, I rode over to Nick Kendall. First, I handed him a copy of Ambrose's will. My godfather looked at it carefully. I don't understand why Ambrose didn't sign it, he said. But we've done all we can for Mrs. Ashley. Well, I don't agree, said I. 
I want to make everything right. And I handed him a copy of the document the lawyer had prepared. Read this, I said, and remember that my cousin Rachel knows nothing about it. Well, I wish Signor Rinaldi had seen this, Nick Kendall said slowly. He told me how careless Mrs. Ashley is with money. This document of yours gives her great power over the property. I have one question, Philip. Are you in love with Mrs. Ashley? Oh, my face went red. I am only doing what Ambrose wanted, I said. Perhaps, Nick Kendall answered. But people are talking. Mrs. Ashley should leave and get married again. She might marry you if you asked her. Oh, I'm sure she would not, I said. Nick Kendall watched me sadly as I signed my name on the document. There are some women who bring happiness to all those who love them, he said. They cannot help it. I think Mrs. Ashley is one of those women. The sun was setting as I rode home. I bathed, changed my clothes, and went into the dining room. Rachel wanted to know where I had been, but I laughed and told her nothing. After dinner, I was too excited to sit still. I walked down to the sea. There was a moon, and the night was warm. I took off my clothes, and for a few minutes I swam in the ice-cold water. When I got back to the house, it was five minutes to twelve. Oh, I could wait no longer. I stood under Rachel's window and called her name. When she looked out, I said, I have something for you, Rachel. And then I ran to my room for the jewels. I want you to have these now, I said. Listen, the clock is striking 12, and it's the 1st of April. I am 25, and I can do what I like. I put the document on her table and began to open the boxes of jewels. Rachel's eyes opened wide in surprise and suddenly we were laughing together. I put the pearl collar round her neck. As I looked at her, I remembered the other Ashley women who had worn it. You have given me so much. Rachel said at last. I have only a small present for you. What else can I give you? Tell me. There is one thing, I said. I looked into her dark eyes. They shone very brightly in the candlelight. She laughed softly and blew out the candle. We were all alone in the darkness. I did not leave her room until sunrise. Happiness had come to me at last. Rachel accepted me and my love. She was the first woman I ever loved, and she was the last.
I remember walking alone in the garden as the birds began to sing. Rachel and I would be always together now, day after day, night after night for all our lives. I went back to my room and slept. After breakfast, I went into the garden again. I picked the most beautiful flowers I could find. Rachel was in bed eating her breakfast. I threw the flowers on the bed in front of her. Good morning again, I said. I have come to say one thing. I love you. Rachel looked up at me without smiling. You should not come into my room so early, she said. The servants will talk. I smiled, but said nothing. I went downstairs. I wanted to tell the servants that Rachel and I were going to be married. And then I decided that we would tell them together later. I walked in the gardens until it was time for Rachel to leave her room. The day was fine and I decided we should go out riding. But when I got back to the house, Rachel had already left. I waited for a long time, but she did not return. At last, I walked along the road, hoping to meet her. When I saw the carriage, I stopped it. I got in and sat down beside Rachel. She was wearing a veil, and I could not see her face. Where have you been? I asked her. To see your godfather. Well, you cannot change anything, I told her. I am 25. Everything I have is yours. Yes. I understand that now, Rachel said, but I wanted to be sure. Her voice was quiet. I did not think she was smiling. Let me look at your face, I said. She lifted her veil. There was no love in her eyes now. I think Louise was a little more friendly today, Rachel said. She will make you a good wife. We made plans to meet in London together. I, I looked at her in surprise. It was unkind of her to make jokes about Louise. And why was Rachel talking about London? We had made no plans to go there. Come into the woods, Rachel, I whispered. I want to kiss you so much. She did not answer, but took something out of her bag. Here. Here is your present, she said, and she gave me a small gold pin for my tie. If I had known about the money, I would have bought something larger. As I dressed for dinner, I could think of only one thing. Money is the one thing to please her. The only way to please her. When we sat down together for my birthday dinner, Rachel was wearing the pearl collar we both drank wine and I started to feel happier. Time would soon pass. When the morning time was over, Rachel would be my new wife. While we were sitting at the table, the Kendalls came into the room. They wished me a happy birthday. I stood up, my glass in my hand. From this morning, I have been the happiest of men, I said, and I want you to be the first to know Rachel has promised to be my wife. I smiled at them all, but Rachel's face was hard and cold. Have you gone mad, Philip? She said. She looked at the candles. 
You must forgive him. He has drunk too much wine. I'm sure he will apologize. Rachel got up and the others followed her out of the room. I stood without moving until I heard them leave the house. When Rachel came back, we stared at each other without speaking. Then Rachel said, You had better go to bed, Philip, before you say any more foolish things. Foolish? I repeated. But last night, surely you love me, Rachel? Well, last night you proved that you loved me. It was a promise of marriage. No, Philip. It was not from marriage. I was thanking you for the jewels. That was all. There was no love. I looked at her hard, cold face. I began to understand what Ambrose had suffered. She had everything. What else could I do? Suddenly I wanted to frighten her, to show her my strength. I put my hands round her neck and looked into her eyes. Will you marry me now? I whispered. Her dark eyes were full of fear, but she did not speak. I loosened my fingers. There were red marks on her white skin. Rachel turned and went upstairs. I followed her, but she was too quick for me. She closed her door and locked it. As she stood there, I saw myself in the mirror on the wall. There I stood, tall, awkward, white-faced. But was that myself or Ambrose standing there? As I lay in bed, I heard the clock strike midnight. All Fool's Day was over. When I went down to breakfast in the morning, there was a note for me on the table. It was not from Rachel, but from Louise. Dear Philip, I was sorry for you last night. If you want a friend to talk to, please let me know, Louise. At first I did not want to see Louise, but I had not slept all night, and I was very unhappy. Louise knew me well. I sent her a note asking her to meet me in the church that morning. I have been worried about you for a long time, Louise told me. She has deceived you from the very beginning. I made a mistake, I said. But Mrs. Ashley did not, Louise replied. She came here to get the money. She stayed until she got it. That is all. Aww. I don't believe you, I cried. She came on impulse. She stayed because she was happy here. No, she had a plan, Louise replied. She's been sending money back to Italy all winter. She waited until you were 25, and then you made her a present of everything. You made things easy for her. I know you don't like Rachel, I said. That is why you're saying these things. But I have asked her to marry me, and I shall go on asking her. Oh, she'll never marry you, Louise said, with a sad smile. When you gave Mrs. Ashley the document, she went straight to my father. She asked him if everything now belonged to her. And my father told her that that was true. 
but he warned her that if she married again, she would lose the money. She told him she had no plans to marry again. Well, if she marries me, she'll, she will lose nothing, I said. She won't be able to go back to Italy or send money there, Louise said. She looked at me and said, I will go now, Philip. I have upset you deeply, and I'm, I'm very sorry. As I rode home, the rain began to fall heavily. When I got back, I was cold and wet, and there was a note from Rachel in my room. I have asked Mary Pasco to stay here with me. After last night, I cannot be alone with you again. Mary Pasco, the vicar's daughter? Mary Pasco was a large, plain girl. Rachel and I had often laughed about her. I could not believe it. But it was true. This was the punishment for my one moment of anger. Whenever I was with Rachel, Mary Pasco was there too. Oh, God, what had I done? By dinner time, I was feeling very ill. I went upstairs to my room. I got into bed and the sheets felt very cold. I hoped that Rachel would come to me, but she did not. In the morning, I tried to dress, but I was too weak. My neck was stiff and there was a terrible pain in my head. When I called for Seacum, well, he took one look at me and hurried out of the room. And then, then my cousin Rachel was there, her face very white. I will not hurt you, Rachel, I said. Please send Mary Pasco home. Oh, don't talk now, lie still, Rachel answered. Then the room was dark. The doctor came. I was hot and then cold. I called for Rachel and she held my hand. I am with you, she said. I closed my eyes. When I awoke, the room was full of light and warmth. Oh, how long had I been asleep? Rachel was sitting near my bed. I put my hand to my face. Oh, I I have grown a beard, I said. I began to laugh. At once, Rachel was holding a glass to my lips. She made me drink the bitter liquid. Have you sent Mary Pasco away? I asked. Rachel looked surprised. Well, she went away five weeks ago, she answered. You have been so ill that you nearly died. The doctors could not help you. Your strength and my medicines saved you. I lay there with her hand in mine. I could not speak. Five weeks had passed and I could remember nothing. Well, only that Rachel and I had been married on the day before my birthday. We had kept our marriage a secret, but in two months time, Rachel would be out of mourning and we would be able to tell everyone. I was very weak for a long time, but the weather was good and I was soon able to go into the garden. The workmen had been busy for many months. They had dug out the ground to make the sunken water garden. It was very deep 
but it was not yet finished. Yellow flowers hung on the laburnum trees that Rachel had planted. I remembered the laburnum tree at the Villa Sangaletti and the green poisonous seeds lying under it. That evening, as Rachel and I were drinking artisana, I said, I heard something strange today. Seacum told me. You were going back to Florence? Now I thought you sold the villa. Oh no, I have enough money to keep it now. I shall probably stay there for the winter. Perhaps you could visit me in the spring. Visit you? I repeated. But a husband should be with his wife always. Rachel sat very still. Your wife? Oh, God, Philip, she whispered. What do you mean? We are not married. But we are, I said. I remember clearly. But as I spoke, the pain returned to my head. I suddenly knew our marriage was a dream. Oh, why didn't you just let me die? I cried. I can't live here alone. I can't. I looked at her face. Give me a few weeks, only a few weeks, I said. She did not reply. The summer came, but Rachel did not speak of leaving. I became stronger, but sometimes the terrible pain in my head came back and I could not think clearly. I told Rachel nothing about it. Then Rachel began to drive into the town two or three times a week. When I asked her about these visits, she told me that she had a lot of business to do. One day, when Rachel was busy at home, I rode into the town alone. It was Saturday, and the streets were full of people. As I walked slowly through the town, a man came out of an inn. He stood in the doorway for a moment, looking up and down the street. It was Rinaldi. That evening, as Rachel was going up to her room after dinner, I stopped her. How long has Rinaldi been in town? I asked. Why is he here? Well, because he is my friend, Rachel answered. I know you hate him and do not want him here. Ambrose was jealous of him. Are you too? Yes, I said. I hate Rinaldi because he is in love with you. You should send him away. Why, certainly not, she said. I need him. I will have him here if I wish. The house is mine. In my anger, I took a step toward her. Don't you touch me, she cried. That is how Ambrose behaved. I can't suffer that again. I turned away. If you want to see Rinaldi, you ask him here, I said. Don't go secretly into the town to meet him. And so, Rinaldi came to stay in the house. He behaved politely, but I could not 
bear to see them together. They always spoke in Italian, and she looked at him all the time. Food seemed to have no taste now. Batis and I drank with them in the evenings, tasted bitter. And then the fever returned again. I was sick and too weak to stand. I had to stay in bed for a few days. When I was better again, Rachel told me that Reynaldi had gone back to Italy. When are you going there? I asked. Rachel did not reply. A day or two later, a letter arrived for Rachel in Rinaldi's handwriting. As I drank Tisana with Rachel that evening, I saw the letter on her desk. Was it a love letter? I had to know. That night, when Rachel was in bed, I crept into her sitting room and searched the desk. The letter was not there. But in one small drawer, I found an envelope. Inside it were some small green seeds. They were laburnum seeds, poisonous to animals and to men. I put back the envelope and returned to my room. There were two bottles of medicine on the table. I poured the medicines out of the window. And then I went downstairs. The cups from which we had drunk artisana had not been washed. Did the liquid in my cup have a bitter taste? I could not be sure. I went to bed and I lay there thinking I was not angry, but I was very unhappy. And I remembered Ambrose's words. Are they trying to poison me? Rachel has won. I am dying. The following day was Sunday. Rachel and I went to church as usual, and as she sat beside me, her face was calm and happy. I wished I could hate her, but I could not. After church, Rachel went to speak to Mary Pascoe. A workman came up to me and said, Oh, excuse me, Mr. Ashley, but I wanted to warn you, don't walk on that new bridge over the sunken garden. It's not finished yet. Anyone walking on it would fall and break their neck. Oh, well, thank you, I said. I will remember. At dinner, Rachel was kinder than she had been for a long time. She talked about Florence. She said she would look for a stone statue there to make a fountain for the sunken garden. She made Tisana, as usual, but I refused to drink it. I would never again drink anything she gave me. But it is good for you, Philip, she said. No, I said, you drink it. Well, I've drunk mine already, Rachel said. I will pour this away. We talked together for half an hour or so, and then Rachel said, I think I shall walk for a little. I want to look at the sunken garden. Will you come with me, Philip? I shook my head. No. Take care, Rachel, I said. Of what? 
she answered with a smile. There is no danger here, Philip. I sat by the window until it was almost dark. Rachel had not returned. At last, I ran out of the house and down to the sunken garden. The bridge was broken. My cousin Rachel lay on the ground below. I climbed down and held her hands in mine. They were cold. Rachel, I said, and she opened her eyes. I thought, oh, she knew it was me. But she called, Ambrose. I held her hands until she died. You know now who killed Rachel, but how did Ambrose die? Did Rachel kill him? I shall go on asking myself that question until the day I die. I live alone now. I am a young man, but I think only of the past. The two people I loved are dead. I have an empty life in front of me. That is my punishment. And it is worse than death. Good night.